0: Hello and welcome back. This is the Walk With God podcast and I'm your host Cedric Evans. I'm very glad you tuned in on today and today is Good Friday. Yes, today is Good Friday on the day that I'm recording April 2nd, 2021 and wow. A few few things before I start. Uh, I know last episode in episode two, uh, it was just entitled Love. In episode two, I said that for now, um, I, be- I began the episode saying that for now, most of the videos would be only 30 minutes. And then if you listen to that episode or just saw the episode, you notice it was much longer than 30 minutes. And that's because after I finished recording for the first 30 minutes, I I fiddled around with um, editing and then I figured out how to make longer episodes. So I guess more accurately, the minimal time might be 30 minutes of an episode. You know, the minimal, well, more accurately, more, the minimal time an episode is going to be 28 minutes, around 28 to 30 minutes. And uh, going forward, I, you know if i have a topic to share and discuss on you know it's uh it, it might it might be up until up it might be until a full hour uh, like that last episode i think that last episode was about 54 minutes but the gist is i figured out the editing so moving forward you know the episodes might be a little longer but the minimum might be 30 and you know, also episodes may vary. Some might be forty minutes, some might just be thirty minutes, or, or what have you. You know, uh, I'm I feel like I'm likely to use up the uh, at least of uh, a good twenty eight minutes at, at least. So anywho, as so uh, as I begin, today is Good Friday, and before I get into what I have planned and all I have planned is just to read on what happened on Good Friday. and I am going to read out of Luke the I'm going to read out of uh, the book of Luke in the New Testament and my version of the Bible is the NIRV, So in case things sound different, or or you don't hear as many tis, twas, b's and there and so on. <laughs> it's because I'm reading out of the NIRV version of the Bible. And so yeah, I'll, I'll be reading chapters twenty-two and twenty-three up until the the burial of Christ Jesus. I will not read the resurrection. Uh, I might, maybe I'll post, you know, I might uh, read that in the next episode or or maybe I'll just talk on it later. Who knows? Um, but really, so now Good Friday, Good Friday is a day of reflection and memory based off of the acts that Jesus Christ did all those thousands of years ago. Okay, Uh, good. the word good and Good Friday, in this sense, it means holy. You know, what God did, what Christ Jesus did, it it was a very holy act. It was a, a pure love act. You know, the nails, you know, they held Jesus on the cross physically. But it was the love that Jesus had for us that put him on that cross. Jesus loved us so much that he said, I would pay for their sins. I will die on the cross for them. I will shed my blood and seal the new covenant that God has made if it would mean to save them. And in fact, in the Bible, it says that there is no greater act of love than for one, who would lay down his life for his friends. And, and, uh, and, and furthermore, I will say that, you know, in the Bible, it also says that you are described as being a friend of Jesus if you obey his commands and obey God's word and so on. Anywho, and um, if you Google uh, Good Friday, it'll tell you more or less, what I just told you that uh, is a day of reflection. However, I don't like the Google reflect the, the Google definition because it says it said it is, a, it is a day of somber reflection. And when I think of Good Friday, I don't get sad. I'm not sad because I am thankful for what Jesus Christ did on the cross. I am thankful that He died on the cross for my sins. I am thankful be, for the love that Jesus had for us. I am so thankful that I don't have to earn my salvation, and neither do you. No one has to earn salvation. I am thankful that Jesus loved me so much to die on the cross. I am very thankful for it. So I'm not gonna reflect on it somberly. I'm gonna be happy and glad that the only thing that needed to happen in order for me to have salvation is already done and paid for i mean it's a gift it's a gift of god and and uh, the the great thing about gifts is you don't have to pay for it you know and, and in fact you know the debt to be paid was already paid by jesus christ so in the bible i believe in uh james the book of james it describes uh salvation as a gift you know as god's gift to humanity and thank you god that i don't have to pay for this so yeah it is a day of memory Reflection on the most important act and display of love to humanity. It is the day Christ died on the cross for our sins. So now I will begin reading and I am reading again. I'm reading from Luke chapter 22 and my version is the NIRV. And I'm starting at the beginning. As Luke chapter 22, verse 1. The feast of unleavened bread called the Passover was near. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for a way to get rid of Jesus. They were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, who was called Iscariot. Judas was one of the twelve. He went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard, he talked with them about how he could hand Jesus over to them. And about how he could hand Jesus over to them. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. Judas accepted their offer. He watched for the right time To hand Jesus over to them. He wanted to do it when no crowd was around. So here, you know, you see, we see, we notice some things about Judas. One, you know, he was motivated by money to accept, to to betray Jesus. You know, uh, if you love money, it can do some evil things. It can make you do some evil things. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all. Evil. I know many people say money is the root of all people of all the evil and yeah, that's wrong. It's the love of money. You know, a while ago, you know, um, I, I, I had to come to a revelation in myself and I had to tell God, you know, if I if I ever love money, don't let me have it. Because it's wrong for someone to love money. Well, not wrong. It, it's uh, it, a, a very uh, tricky or sticky situation can arise when someone loves money and they have it. You know, greed can get in their heart and it could cause them to want more of it. And I, I won't speak on it too much now. But, but yeah, Judas Iscariot tempted by money you know, to hand Jesus over, and it also says that Satan entered Judas. So Judas had allowed Satan to come into him and to, you know, cause him to do something wicked, which is why if you are not vigilant against fortifying your mind, if you are not vigilant against you know, uh, the things of the devil and the woes and the attacks of the devil, he can enter you and cause you to do some evil and wrong things. You know, you know, people, you know, not everybody believes that Satan and demons are in the earth. But if you read the book of Revelations and uh, Luke chapter 10, you'll come to find out that Satan and the demons are in the earth now. They're in the earth right now. This is why it's important to stay alert. You know, stay alert with a breastplate of righteousness. And uh, put on the whole armor of God. And you know how it goes. You know, stay alert against the woes of the devil. He's after, he's, like I said in, in the last episode, I said, Satan is out to destroy your relationship with God, your relationship with others, and your relationship with yourself. So I'm continuing uh, now at uh, verse 7, the last supper. Then the, then the day of unleavened bread came. That was the time the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John on ahead. Go, he told them, prepare for us to eat the Passover lamb meal where do you want us to prepare it to prepare for it they asked jesus replied when you enter the city a man carrying a jar of water will meet you follow him to the house he enters then say to the owner of the house the teacher asks where is the guest room where can i eat the passover meal with my disciples he will show you a large upstairs room with furniture in it. Prepare for us to eat there. Peter and John left. They found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover meal. I just want to quickly interject and say how great it is. How, you know, Peter and John, they had no idea what they were doing and where they're going. So they had to ask God and God. You know, Jesus said, hey, just go over here and this is what's going to happen. And it's amazing how, you know, you know, sometimes God can send you on a mission and tell you what is going to happen, you know, step by step and what you might need to do step by step, you know, not not every single time. You know, sometimes it's going to be a leap of faith where God asks you to do something, and you might not be able to see the whole picture. Other times, like this time, God is gonna tell you what will happen. That's awesome if you ask me. So continuing, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles took their places at the table. He said to them, I have really looked forward to eating this Passover meal with you. I wanted to do this before I suffer. I tell you, I will not eat the Passover meal again until it is celebrated in God's kingdom. After Jesus took the cup, he gave thanks. He said, take this cup and share it among yourselves. I tell you, I will not drink wine with you again until God's kingdom comes. That, that, that right there is talking about the second coming of Christ. Then Jesus took bread, he gave thanks, and broke it. He handed it to them and said, this is my body. It is given for you. Every time you eat it, do it in memory of me. That right there is the birth of communion. You know, uh, many, m- you know, if you've been to a church or a Christ church or Christian church, you know, or uh, even cathedrals and, uh. If you've been in there, they give you a piece of bread, give you a cup of wine, and, they, and they'll and read from these verses. Or they might read from, um, I think there's a verse in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians or Acts, I believe, that uh, describes this. And so what Jesus just did is the birth of communion. So we eat the bread as it represents his broken body. That he went through, you know, it represents the suffering that Jesus did went through, and we drink the wine as it represents the blood that he shed to seal the covenant for, uh, for uh, to seal God's new covenant. The and it is the blood that he spilled from his body for our sins. It is a representation of. And I, I had to mention this because, you know, a while ago, some time ago, last two or three years ago from 2021, I was at a camp and one of my friends said he did not know where communion was or, or why we do it. And um, he later went on to uh, understand and learn. So in case anybody didn't know that this is where communion comes from. Continuing now, um, the Son of Man will go to his death. Oh, forgive me. Uh, from uh, verse, verse 20, in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, and it is poured out for you. But someone here is going to hand me over to my enemies. His hand is with mine on the table. So at that moment, uh, Jesus is saying, it's Judas Iscariot?" Because you know where the Jesus and his disciples were sitting. They were sitting in such a way that Jesus and Judas were sitting right next to each other. And in other versions of the Bible, and other ch- and and in uh, the and I believe in Matthew or Luke or John. You know, uh, I think Jesus says he shares uh, the uh, the bread bowl with me. or He says something like that. I forgot exactly verbatim what he said, but Jesus said he shares this uh, bowl with me. And so at the time, you know, when two people were sitting next to each other, you know, they might have a bowl between them and they would reach into the same bowl. And there'd be pieces of bread and uh, food that they would pick out of. So one bowl and two people are reaching into it. And so and so in Jesus saying, you know, his hand is on the table with mine, Jesus is saying it's Judas right here. Judas Iscariot is going to shed my blood. It's going to I'm forgive me, he's going to hand me over. So now I'm continuing. Um, The apostles began to ask each other about this. They wondered which one of them would do it. They also started to argue. They disagreed about which of them was thought to be the most important person. Jesus said to them, the kings of the nations hold power. Yeah, yeah, sorry, forgive me. The kings of the nations, hold power over their people and those who order them call who order them around call themselves protectors. But you must not be like that. Instead the most important among you should be like the youngest. The one who rules should be like the one who serves. In other words, a good ruler is one who is actively serving the people that they rule over—that's what makes God the greatest of them all. Because all the things that God asks of us and will command us to do—it's not to make Him, you know—it's uh, not to reinforce, uh, you know, uh, God's pride or anything like that. And, and and I'll quickly say that God is not a fan of pride. And uh, I'll get to that in a, in another episode, most likely. But if you study Ezekiel and Jeremiah and even some of Proverbs, you'll come to realize that especially in Ezekiel, that God is not a fan of when people get into pride. He does not like it at all. But anywho, uh, as I was saying, God is the greatest ruler of all because all the things he asks us to do are things that would better our lives and help strengthen our connection to him, which in effect helps us out more too. God is continually, continuously asking us to do things to better our connection with him and others and to serve others. And now i now continue reading. The one who rules should be like the one who serves. Who is more important? Is it the one at the table or the one who serves? Isn't it the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You have stood by me during my troubles, and I give you a kingdom just as my father gave me a kingdom. Then you will eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. You will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you disciples, has asked to sift you disciples like wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon. I have prayed that your faith will not fail. When you have turned back, help your brothers to be strong. Isn't that awesome? What I find most awesome is verse 31 of Luke 22. Specifically, the part that says, Satan has asked to sift you disciples like wheat. In other words, when you sift wheat, uh, you you take a, a big long stick with a big blade on the end of it called a scythe and you swing it around in wheat fields. And it cuts and chops the wheat off. And then you gather the wheat. And you put it in bundles and so on. And it goes to the process. But. And this is what Satan wants to do to us. And this is a destroying act. Now. What's most um, interesting to me. Is how Satan has asked. In other words. The devil has to get permission from God to bring harm upon you or to cause any sort of destruction on you. And some will say, well, why, uh, why has God allowed this? And why this suffering and so on and so on? Now, And, you know, many times when we experience suffering, it might be a test from God. It might be something to challenge our faith. It might be something that we can handle uh, per our faith uh, level. Or it just might be something we just have to deal with. Remember that as a Christian, you are not immune to suffering. Paul, one of the greatest New Testament preachers and, and uh, uh, you know, man of faith, Paul, one of the greatest men of faith ever in the Bible, went through a lot of suffering. I mean, he went through it. Look at Job. You know, Satan asked God if, you know, Satan can destroy uh, Job's life, basically. And God said, you can, but don't you kill him. Don't you leave, you know, you don't you touch him. And that's exactly what happened. Job suffered greatly, but in the end, he came out stronger than ever, and he was stronger than ever for God. Suffering is a part of Christianity, but but like I said, the cool part is if God says no to Satan bringing something on to you, Satan just has to take the no. Satan cannot override God. He can't. Now continuing, but Simon replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, you will say three times that you don't know me and you will do it before the rooster crows today. Then Jesus asked the disciples, did you need anything when I sent you without a purse, bag or sandals? Nothing, they answered. He said to them, But now, if you have a purse, take it, and also take a bag. If you don't have a sword, sell your coat and buy one. It is written, He was counted among those who had committed crimes. Isaiah 53 and 12. I tell you that what is written about me must come true. Yes, it is already coming true. The disciples said, See, Lord, here are two swords. That is enough, he replied. Then Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. His disciples followed him. When they reached his, the place, Jesus spoke, pray that you won't fall into sin when you are tempted. He said to them, then he went a short distance away from them. There he got down on his knees and prayed. He said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup of suffering away from me, but do what you want, not what I want. Jesus had the right attitude. I know Jesus was a part of the Trinity, but, you know, Jesus said, do what you want, not what I want. In other words, we have to get out of our own way to allow God to move. An angel from heaven appeared to Jesus and gave him strength. Because he was very sad and troubled, he prayed even harder. His sweat was like drops of blood falling falling to the ground. After that, he got up from prayer and went back to the disciples. He found they were very sad. Why are you sleeping? He asked them, get up. Pray that you won't fall into sin when you are tempted. This is what God asks us to do now. When, when sin and temptation comes onto us, pray it away. Get into prayer. You don't have to, you know, shout and pray out loud. You could do it within your mind. This is a lesson to get into prayer when sin and temptation is coming on to you. Being tempted is not the sin. It is giving in to temptation that is the sin. While Jesus was still speaking, a crowd came up. The man named Judas was leading them. He was one of the twelve. Judas approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you handing over the Son of Man with a kiss? a kiss right here a, a kiss is a display of affection and if you display affection it shows that you have loving or positive feelings to someone so right here Jesus is saying are you trying to show me love as you're about to commit an act of hate are are you trying to show Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ, are you trying to show the son of God an act of love as you are handing me over? It's it's not a good thing to smile in God's face and then go and do something behind his back as if you think you can do it behind God's back. But that's what Judas is doing right here. He said, you know, in, in other uh, versions and in other uh, chapters, it says that Judas said the one I kiss is the one um, uh, that you that I'm handing over. So Judas is showing an act of love. But the overall thing that he's doing is not loving at all to God whatsoever. It is an act of hate, and it is an act of sin. Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, so they said, Lord, should we use our swords against them? One of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus answered, Stop this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus spoke to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders. They had all come for him. Am I leading a band of armed men against you? He asked, do you have to come with swords and clubs? You know, Jesus is saying, is all of this necessary? As if I'm some great big Threat to you guys. You know, is, is it all necessary that you approach me like this? Every day I was with you in the temple courtyard and you didn't lay a hand on me. But this is your hour. This is when darkness rules. Then the men arrested Jesus and led him away. They took him into the high priest's. House. Peter followed him, followed from far away. They started a fire in the middle of the courtyard. Then they sat down together. Peter sat down with them. A female servant saw him sitting there in the firelight. She looked closely at him. Then she said, This man was with Jesus. But Peter said he had not been with him. Woman, I don't know you. I don't know him, he said. A little a little later, someone else saw Peter. You are one of them, he said. No, Peter replied, I am not. But an hour later, about an hour later, another person spoke up. This fellow must have been with Jesus, he said. He is from Galilee. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you are talking about just as he was speaking the rooster crowed the lord turned and looked right at peter that is scary you know to to get caught doing something by god himself by jesus himself and oh yes god you know jesus knew it was going to happen but peter swore it you know, in different versions of the Bible, in different chapters, and Matthew and Luke and John, you know, Jesus, uh, Peter swore he would not do so. And then they locked eyes, and Peter realized, "Wow, I I did it. I you know, this is important to remember because." You know, just uh, this this was a, a low moment. You know, in fact, it goes on to later say that Peter went on to sob and he wept bitterly. I mean, he was crying. And he, he cried because, you know, he knew that what he did was wrong. Or at least in my opinion, I think he died. He, I mean, he cried. I think Peter cried because he knew what he did was wrong and he felt so guilty and shameful for giving in. Child of God, haven't you ever been there that you know that what you just did was wrong and you feel so beaten up and so beaten down that you just felt like, you know, sitting in a corner and crying? Well, don't you worry, because one, you're not alone. You're not the only one who's who's been there. And two, God knew it was going to happen anyway, and God still loves you. And if you confess your sins, you are forgiven under the blood of Jesus. So just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked right at Peter Then Peter remembered what the Lord had spoken to him. The rooster will crow today, Jesus had said. Before it does, you will say three times that you don't know me. Peter went outside. He broke down and sobbed. There were men guarding Jesus. They began laughing at him and beating him. They blindfolded him. They said, prophesy, who hit you? They also said many other things to make fun of him. At dawn, the elders of the people met together. These included the chief priests and the el- and the teachers of the law. Jesus was led, to le- was led to them. If you are the Christ, they said, tell us. Jesus answered, if I tell you, you will not believe me. And if I ask you, you would not answer me. But from now on, the Son of Man will be scattered at the right hand of the Almighty God. They all asked, Are you the Son of God then? He replied, You are right in saying that I am. Then they said, Why do we need any more witnesses? We have heard it from his own lips. Then the whole group got up and led Jesus off to Pilate. They began to bring charges against Jesus. They said, "We have found this man misleading our people. He is against paying. He is against paying taxes to Caesar, and he claims to be Christ, the King." That you know, was so interesting. How how these people these for one a little bit of backstory a week a week earlier early in the week these people were praising and shouting thank you thank you god they were shouting hosanna hosanna for jesus entering in the city they were very happy that jesus had entered and now they've turned their backs on him you know during this time during this pandemic i have seen stories of how you know pastors and preachers have turned their backs on God and to go on to do other things and I always think that is so sad and then another interesting here thing here is how they said he is against paying taxes to Caesar now they were lying on Jesus they were lying on Jesus because Earlier, Jesus, you know, when Jesus uh, gave a lesson on paying taxes, he said, give to Caesar what is is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. So, Jesus never said, don't give to Caesar. He never will say he was against paying taxes to Caesar. He said, give to Caesar what what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. And that is fair. And Also, they have said, we have found this man misleading our people. Now, Jesus was right. Jesus, everything Jesus ever spoke was true and right. Yet, there are people in the world, and in the Bible, it says there are people that will call wrong right and right wrong. Continuing now, so Pilate and he claims to be Christ the king. So Pilate asked Jesus, "Are you the king of the Jews?" "Yes, it is just as you say," Jesus replied. Then Pilate spoke to the chief priests and and the crowd. He announced, "I find no basis for a charge against this man," but they kept it up. They said, "His teaching stirs up the people all over Judea." He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. When Pilate heard this, he asked if the man was from Galilee. He learned that Jesus was from Herod's area of authority. So Pilate sent Jesus to Herod. At that time, Herod was also in Jerusalem. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very pleased. He had been wanting to see Jesus for a long time. He had heard much about him. He hoped to see Jesus do a miracle. Herod asked him many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there. With loud shouts, they brought charges against him. Herod and his soldiers laughed at him and made fun of him. They dressed him in a beautiful robe. Then they sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Wow. So you got one person mocking Jesus and another person who's about to order the death of Jesus becoming friends. That's interesting. Pilate called. uh, Before this time, they had been in So the only reason they became friends is over their mockery and dislike to Jesus. Pilate Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people. He said to them, you brought me this man. You said he was turning the people against the authorities. I have questioned him in front of you. I have found no basis for your charges against him. Herod is hasn't either. So he sent Jesus back to us. As you can see, Jesus has done nothing that is worthy of death. So I will just have him whipped and let him go. So right there, they say Jesus has done nothing wrong. With one voice, the crowd cried out, kill this man. That means everybody, everybody said, kill this man. Give Barabbas to us. Barabbas had been thrown into prison. He had taken part in a struggle in the city against the authorities. He had also committed murder. So the people are saying, we would rather you kill Jesus and we'll take the murderer, and we, we will take the murderer alive and back and welcomed into the city and back into the city over Jesus. Isn't that something? How You have people now. Oh, this, this happens even now. Where people would sooner welcome a murderer and someone who causes trouble within a nation or within a city rather than accept Jesus. And people wonder why things are getting worse and why things are bad, because no one is accepting Christ. Pilate wanted to let Jesus go, so he made an appeal to the crowd again. But they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate spoke to them for the third time. Why, he asked, what wrong has this man done? I have found no reason to have him put to death, so I will just have him whipped and let him go. But the loud shouts, they kept calling for Jesus Jesus to be crucified. But with loud shouts, they kept calling for Jesus to be crucified. Excuse me for any uh, misspeakings and typos you might hear me say. Forgive me. The people shouts one out. So Pilate decided to give them what they wanted. He set free the man they asked for. The man had been thrown in prison for murder and for fighting against the authorities. Pilate gave Jesus over to them so they could carry out their plans. As they led Jesus away, they took hold of Simon Simon was from Cyrene. He was on his way from in from the country. They put a wooden cross on his shoulders. Then they made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed Jesus. Some were women whose hearts were filled with sorrow. They cried loudly because of him. Jesus turned and said to them, daughters of Jerusalem, do not cry for me. Cry for yourselves and for your children. The time will come when you will say, blessed are the women who can't have children. Blessed are those who never gave birth or nursed babies. It is written, the people will say to the mountains, fall on us. They'll say to the hills, cover us. People do these things when trees are green. So, what will happen when the trees are dry? So, in other words, Jesus is saying, look, it's going to get worse. You know, you know, people say these things now and they do these things when times are okay and times are look at look at the trees now. They're they're fine. Now imagine the time and the season when the trees are withered away. Imagine how much worse things will get. And that has a repeated message in the Bible that for one in end times, you know, perilous times will come. And also, I would add that currently, as of April 2nd, 2021, we are living in the end times, and it is going to get worse. I believe in the last episode, I said I, I noted how. From the first episode to the second episode of this podcast, there was two mass shootings. And now from from the second episode to this episode, there was another shooting where four people died and there was an attack on the Capitol Hill uh, or at least the grounds near Capitol Hill Hill. You know, uh, Capitol Hill itself, you know, the building itself wasn't breached in any way, but a man had. Uh, now, I won't describe I won't describe the situation. I won't describe the situation, but there was an attack. And. I, and I and I and it's sad to hear that these things are happening, but, you know, God did warn us. God warned us that bad times will be upon us and that things will get worse and worse all leading up to the inevitable return of jesus christ two other men were also led out with jesus to be killed both of them had broken the law the soldiers brought them to the place called the skull there they nailed jesus to the cross He hung between the two criminals. One was on his his right and one was on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. The soldiers divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood there watching. The rulers even made fun of Jesus. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The, the soldiers also came up and poked fun at him. They offered him wine vinegar. They said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A written sign had been placed above him, it, will, it read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging there, made fun of Jesus. He said, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself, save us. It is amazing how everybody is making fun of Jesus. And even someone who was just about in the same situation as Jesus was also making fun of him. You know, some people just don't learn, you know, that it's, some people don't learn when to stop making fun of other people. You know, that, that that criminal was in the same situation as Jesus, both of them being crucified. But thank God for the other criminal who released his faith at the last moment. Read here. But the but the other criminal scolded him. Don't you have any respect for God? So this is the other criminal that tells the there there are two criminals beside Jesus. One of them began making fun of Jesus and the other told the other and the other told him to stop making fun of Jesus, to have respect for God. This is someone hanging on the cross who has accepted his situation and, you know, still has respect for God to stand up for him and say, hey, you leave God alone. Continuing now, Continuing now. remember you are under the same sentence of death. In other words, remember we are in the same situation. What are you making fun of him for? We are getting just what our actions, we, we are being punished fairly. We are getting just what our actions call for. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Thank God for this prisoner who know, who has accepted that what he did was wrong. Accepted that what he is receiving is fair. And accepted that Jesus is Christ. I mean, this, this is a great man. I mean, I know he's a criminal, but what? I know he's a criminal, I know he's being crucified, I know. But look at how he is, look at his heart right now. Look at how he's releasing his faith in in his last moments of being alive in the physical. In the last moments of him being alive physically. And, you know, he's accepting all that he has done. He knows that what he's currently going through is fair. And he knows that Jesus Christ is God. That's awesome that in his last moments, he released all of his faith right here and now. But this man has done nothing wrong. One, uh, um, okay, Uh. all right, here, here we go. But this man has done nothing wrong then he said jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom jesus answered him what i'm about to tell you is true today you will be with me in paradise glory to god that at the last moment god said you will be with me why was that criminal with him because that criminal had enough sense to not hate on god and had enough in sense to know that he is God. He was he is innocent. And all the other things that I said, you know, that what he had, that he recognized that what he did in the past was wrong, and that he accepts what's happening to him in the now. That's, you know, I, I feel like so much could be said on that one criminal. But all, all I can say is, thank God for him. But I'm going I'm, to I'm go on now. It was now about noon. The whole land was covered with darkness until three o'clock. The sun had stopped shining. The temple curtain was torn in two. And this temple curtain, this was no, you know, it, it wasn't like a common house curtain. I mean, this was massive, you know, and... This thing was massive, and it would have taken a great, I mean, a great amount of physical strength to tear this into two. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands, I commit my very life. After he said this, he took his last breath. The Roman commander saw what had happened. He praised God and said, Jesus was surely a man who did what was right. The people had gathered to watch the sight. Then they saw what happened. They, they beat their chests and went away. But all those who knew Jesus stood not very far away. Watching those things, they included the women who had followed him from Galilee. A man named Joseph was a member of the Jewish council. He was a good and honest man. He had not agreed with what the leaders had decided and done. He was from Arimathea, a town in Judah. He was waiting for God's kingdom. Joseph went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. He took it down and wrapped it in linen cloth. Then he put it in a tomb cut in the rock. No one had ever been buried there. It was preparation day. The Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph. They saw that the tomb, they saw the tomb and how Jesus's body was placed in it. Then they went home. There they prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath day in order to obey the law. As before I end, I just want to say thank God. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done and suffered through for our sin and it is just amazing Uh, what jesus did it it couldn't have been easy Or, or at least you know put yourself in jesus shoes you know imagine you being whipped being flogged being beaten being mocked continuously for hours and then and then you get nailed to a cross Where you wait more hours just so you can die. Because when you were nailed on the cross, it wasn't like you just passed out and you just died immediately. No, you hung there and you waited until your body got so exhausted, it just gave up and died. That could not have been easy, physically at least. But thank God. For Jesus. Thank you Jesus for doing it. Thank you Jesus for loving us so much so that you were so willing to do it. Thank you Jesus. If anything that I've read would cause someone to think that uh, they want to follow a God who is so willing They want to follow Jesus, who is so willing to die on the cross. Then repeat after me and say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I know I was a born sinner. I know I have sinned. I now repent. I ask for forgiveness. I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. I believe he died and rose again three days later. And I ask that you cover me with the Holy Spirit, fill me with the Holy Spirit, and cover me with the blood of Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I hope you enjoyed What I had to share today on Good Friday. And I hope you have a blessed day, blessed night, good afternoon, what have you. And I will talk to you later.